have uh, an amazing message this morning, and I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity to change your year. Praise God. If you've uh, been tracking with us as a church for very long, if you've been a part of TCF, I love this time of year. Now, I love the holidays that we just came out of, but I love the end of one year, and I love the beginning of a new year. And uh, I just love this time of year. And I start a new journal. I have a fresh journal that I start for the year. Even if the one I have is not completely full, I start a new one. Uh, I always have my sermon notes in a spiral notebook so that I don't lose them throughout the year. And I start a fresh notebook. I have dozens of these at home from years past. And so I just enjoy this time of year. I enjoy a fresh start. I enjoy making lists and just thinking about that. So if you've been around here very long, one of the things that we do in church that we're going to do this morning is we're going to hand out cards at the end of the service today, and I'm going to give you a chance to write down what you're thankful for in 2017 and then what you'd like to see God do in your life in 2018. But before we do that, I'd like to cultivate your heart a little bit and just prepare you. Our culture has done studies on what we're about to do today, and here's what they have found out. They found out that 80% of people don't have any dreams or any goals at all. I was stunned by that number. 80% of people just live life. Most people put more energy into a grocery list than they do into planning for their life. Most people put more time into planning a vacation. If you go on vacation like we do, I have a file for vacation. Okay, and I get my file out, and we plan vacation. I mean, uh, Ashley is a super planner. She plans ahead. She knows what she wants to do. We're the same way. Most people put more time into that than they do planning their life. So 80% of people don't really have any dreams or goals. Well, they found out that 15% of people do. 15% of people have dreams. Out of that 15%, about 4% write them down. Well, I'm going to put you in the 4% today, okay, because I'm going to give you a card, and I'm not going to let you out the door. Larry's not going to let you out until you write down some things you'd like to see God do in your life. So I'm going to put you in that 4%. Out of that 4%, only 1% write them down and periodically review them and remind themselves of what they wrote down, 1%. So you see, I do this every single year, and I know many of you have for many years with me, and then I put it on the visor of my pickup, and when I'm running errands or whatever it is I'm doing, I will periodically pull it down, and I will look at it, and I will read it, and I remind myself of what God's doing in my life. And if you do that, it puts you in the 1%. Zig Ziglar, uh, he has since passed away and gone to heaven. He used to say that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? So if you just go through life, uh, you know, you, you don't aim at anything, and, and so nothing really happens. So I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. Now, the world says if you'll just set some goals, it'll change your life. But we're not just going to set some goals today. We're going to involve God in it. So see, I'm not just going to write down some things I'd like to happen. What we're going to do is we're going to write down some things and say, God, I would like for you to move in my life in this area. And that absolutely changes everything. So before we do that, the first thing I want to talk to you about is thankfulness. We're going to have an opportunity this morning to look back on 2017 and write down some things that you're thankful for. Now listen, I had some pretty rough spots in my year this last year. I know many of you also had some rough spots. So you may not look at 2017 with very much thankfulness. Yeah, but I want to encourage you. 
all right? Uh, most of you know I had aortic valve replacement surgery. A week before I had that surgery, my brother died in an airplane accident. And so a week later, I had surgery, and I couldn't even go to the funeral uh, be- because of, of me being in the hospital with surgery. And I'm not saying that to brag or so you'll feel sorry for me. I, I just want you to know I relate to those of you that have things going on in your life. I have a family member uh, when my brother died, and I talked to him on the phone just a few days after that. And he said, man, your father was killed in an accident at the railroad, uh, and then your brother's killed in an airplane accident. He said, man, that must be a, a burden to bear. And I said, well, here's what you need to know. I know the burden bearer. Okay, and his name is Jesus, and no matter what I'm facing in my life, he's going to help me get through it. Just like I said earlier, in, earlier at communion, David was not a muscle man. Okay, he didn't defeat Goliath because he had muscles. He defeated Goliath because he had God. So no matter what giant you face in your life, if you have God, you're the majority, amen? All right, so let me read you a verse on thankfulness. I want to go to Psalms 105, verse 1, and this is the New King James Version. Listen to what this says. It says, give thanks to the Lord. Now, just stop right there. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. That's pretty simple, isn't it? What's one of the things that we're supposed to be doing as the people of God? Giving thanks. Now, what I love about that is it says make his deeds known among the people. See, I believe it's so important when you sit around your dinner table or you sit around the breakfast table or you get together with your family that you're talking about the goodness of God. You're talking about the faithfulness of God. You're reminding each other God's been good to us. God has blessed us and taken care of us. Listen, the grace of God has allowed us to be born in America You don't live in China. You don't live in North Korea. You don't live in Iran or Iraq. You don't live in sub-Sahara Africa. We're, We're Americans. We're blessed, amen? And the grace of God is on us by us just being born here. So it says to give thanks and to remind each other of his deeds and of his goodness. The next verse I want to read to you is Psalms 106, 1. It says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. Now, I love that. Now, listen, I already said it. Many of you have been through things. Many of you are going through things. But it says right there that it's a fact that God is good. So no matter what's going on in your life, Father, I thank you that you're good, and I'm going to give thanks to you because your mercy endures forever. The Bible is full of these verses. The Bible is full of the truth and the principle that I'm supposed to have a thankful heart no matter what I'm facing. Let me read you one more verse. I'm going to go to Colossians Chapter 3, verse 17. Again, this is also New King James. And listen to what it says. Whatever you do in word or deed. Now stop right there. Whatever you're doing. And listen, your mothers, your fathers, your grandparents, your teachers, your coaches, your principals, your farmers. All of us do different things. But the scripture says, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the last sentence says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does that mean? Well, that means everything I do in my life, every single day, I'm supposed to be doing it for the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then I'm supposed to be thankful in the midst of it. Hey, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. Amen? Well, in just a few minutes, you're going to get an opportunity to write some of those things down. Let me tell you two stories about two different people to help just stir thankfulness in you. There was a young man in Germany during World War II, and he was a pastor. 
That's a picture of him because I wanted you to connect a face with his name. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Well, he was an outspoken critic of the Third Reich. He was an outspoken critic of Hitler and the Nazis. Well, because of that, you can imagine that it put his life in danger. Well, he had an opportunity to go to America to study theology, and he did that. And while he was there studying, of course, the war's getting worse, and he finished his, his studies, and he had this burden on his heart that he needed to go back home to Germany, and he needed to speak out for his people and speak out for his nation. Well, you can imagine his friends and family didn't want him to do that. And they told him, they begged him, actually, they pleaded with him and said, don't go back to Germany, wait till the war's over, then you can go back and help rebuild. Well, of course, he refused to do that, and he went back. And because he went back and spoke out against what Hitler was doing, he was arrested and he was placed in the Flossenburg concentration camp. And two weeks before the war ended, he was executed. Two weeks. Two weeks before the Allied forces caused the German surrender, he was executed. Now, I want to read you two quotes by him. The day he was executed, this is what he said. This is the end for me, the beginning of life. This is the end for me, the beginning of life. He knew something that we need to know, amen? There's more to life than this life. You know that, right? There's more going on than this life. This is the next thing he said. He said, it's only with gratitude that life has become rich. Now, I'm quoting a 39-year-old young man who was executed in a concentration camp, and he's talking about gratitude. Are you kidding me? Listen to it one more time. It's only with gratitude that life becomes rich. The second person I want to talk to you about is a woman named Corey Ten Boom. And the picture that Kurt's going to put up, that's an older picture of her. But when she was younger, her family was in World War II also. They lived in Holland. Her family owned a jewelry store, and her father was a watchmaker. Well, they were Christians, and because they were Christians, they were relatively safe from the Nazis. You see, the Nazis weren't particularly after Christians. They were after Jews, so they were safe. One afternoon, a woman knocked on the door of their home, and she said, I'm a Jew. My husband's been arrested, and we've been forced out of our home, and I have nowhere to go. And they invited her into their home, and they protected her, and they hid her and helped her to get out of the country. Well, consequently, they became part of what was known as the Dutch underground. And what the Dutch underground was, it was people who hid Jews in their homes to help them get out of the country. Well, they even built a hidden room in their house that had like a trick door to hide Jews. Because of that, their neighbor ratted them out, and the Germans came to their house, and they arrested 30 of their family members. Now, Here's what blows my mind about this story. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Here's why. To be safe, all they had to do was do nothing. To be safe, all they had to do was be quiet. But they refused to be quiet. They refused to do nothing. And they made the decision they were going to help other people. Can you imagine if you had to stand up for your faith? And not only did it put you at risk, but it put all of your family at risk. Can you imagine? And your whole family was susceptible to being arrested. 29, all of their family, all 29 members of them died in concentration camps. 29 of them. She lived and she was released out of the Ravensbrück concentration camp. Let me read you two quotes by her. I'm talking about gratitude. Listen to what it said. 
It says gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. Let me give you one more quote by her. I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands that I still possess. Allow me to read it one more time. I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands that I still possess. I'm talking about thankfulness. The next thing I want to talk about is prayer. When you write down what you want God to do in your life, and if you'll put the card somewhere where you can see it, one of the things you can do is pray it. In other words, whatever you write down, you just use it as a prayer. Let's say that you need a better job and you write down, hey, God, I need a better job. Then you would take that card and say, Father, I thank you that you're moving in my life and you're providing me a better job. You pray what you have written down. Let me read to you out of James, excuse me, James 5, 16. Let me read you this verse on prayer. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The first word I'd like to bring your attention to is the word righteous. All right, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, my Bible says you're righteous. Okay, the word righteous means right standing with God. You see, what happened at the cross was Jesus took your sin and your punishment, and then he gave you his life and his righteousness. So the moment you told Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, at that moment, the Bible says you and I became righteous. Okay, so you are in right standing with God. Do you understand that if you know Christ? There's nothing you can do to be more righteous You can't run in place long enough or read your Bible long enough or do anything to be more righteous. Jesus took care of it and paid for it. So all I want you to see is this verse belongs to you. All right? All right, what does it say? It says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He says that we're supposed to pray, but then he says that we're supposed to pray a certain way. And the word he uses is the word fervent All fervent means is heat. That's what it means. It means to be hot. Another word for it is the word zeal. Now, I have a picture to help you understand what fervent is. Let me show it to you. Okay, obviously, those are two steel rods, and they're red hot. Okay, I want to call those pokers. Okay, they're red hot pokers. That's what fervent means. Fervent means to be red hot. Fervent means to have zeal. Fervent means when you pray, you want something and you want it bad. Now, let me talk to you about the hot poker principle. What's the hot poker principle, Pastor? Well, here's what it is. If you'll put the poker in the fire, the fire will get in the poker. Did you get that? Okay, if you'll put the poker in the fire, the fire will get in the poker. And it'll be red hot. Here's my question this morning. What fire have you been close to? You see, the culture has a fire. The world we live in has a fire. Have they been affecting you? Has their heat been getting on you? Is that what you're excited about? Is that what you're interested in? The kingdom also has a fire. What fire have you been close to? What fire have you been standing in? Because if you'll put the poker in the fire, the fire will get in the poker. Now, here's my question. What stirs you up? What excites you? What are you on fire about? What will you not shut up about? 
Okay, I know people who won't shut up about politics. It's all they want to talk about. Okay, I know people who won't shut up about sports. I might be one of those. You, you know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, it's the weekend of the playoffs in the NFL, and tomorrow night's the national championship in college football. But I'm not going to talk about that this morning, all right? I'm not saying you can't be on fire about more than one thing, but what are you on fire about? When you pray, how do you pray? Do you pray with fervency? Do you pray with zeal? You know, most of us don't want much of anything. Seriously. You know how we are? No, no, Pastor, I want stuff. Well, does it show up in your prayer life? In other words, you pray with passion. You pray with fire. You pray with zeal. Does that make sense? Okay, so it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen to this. When we pray, we give God permission to move and rule in any situation instead of Satan, no matter what the situation is. Let me read it again. When you pray, you give God permission to move and rule in any situation instead of the devil, no matter what the situation is. In 2018, you are not going to drift into a deeper walk with God. You are not going to drift into a deeper walk with God. You're not going to wake up and accidentally be on fire. No, it's not going to happen. When we were at Men's Retreat in September, one of the speakers there told a story about when before he was a Christian, and his wife was already a Christian, and he wasn't, and she was begging him to come to church. You see, she'd been in the fire, and she was red hot, and she just kept bugging him and bugging him and bugging him about going to church. And here's what he said. He said, I finally told her I'll go to church if you'll just shut up. <clears throat> now, that's kind of offensive, isn't it? Yeah. But he said, I told her I'll go if you'll just leave me alone. She said, okay. He said, but I get to pick the church. He said, so I found the deadest church I could find with the worst music I could find, with the worst preaching that I could find. And I knew if I went there, she'd leave me alone and we would never go back again. He said, we went, we climbed up into the balcony. And he said, and I got in the farthest corner of the balcony I could. And I sat there with my arms folded. And he said, now I was right. The preaching was terrible. The music was terrible. The service was bad. He said, but I didn't account for one thing. He said, that preacher got up and read out of the Bible. And the word of God changed me. You see, he made the mistake of getting close to the fire. She had already been close to the fire. My question this morning is, do you need to get closer to the fire in 2018? The last thing I want to talk to you about is confession. You can take your card and you can pray it. You can also take your card and use it as a confession. You see, when you get in line at Sonic during happy hour and the cars go all the way around the building and you're waiting to order your ocean water, while you're waiting to order your ocean water, you reach up and pull your card down off your visor and you can pray it, but you can also just read it out loud. You can confess it. What if you started saying what you want in your life instead of what you have? Don't, did you hear that? Start saying what you want instead of what, because more than most of us do. You know, we talk about how bad everything is, right? Let me read you a verse. This is Mark eleven twenty two. I love this. <clears throat> New King James says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, now here's what I want to do as I read through this. I want you to notice the word say. He's talking about saying something. Listen to it. 
For assuredly I say to you, whatsoever you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will be done, he'll have whatsoever he says. Did you see that? What's he talking about? He's talking about saying. What's he talking about? He's talking about confession. You can take your card and you confess it. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Let me show you one last verse. Proverbs 18, 21. This is a very familiar verse to me, and it may be to you, it may not be. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Every single day, you're either speaking death over your family and yourself, or you're speaking life. You see, if you watch the news and you go around and talk about it all day, you're speaking death. But if you read the word of God, if you pull your card down off of your visor and you talk about what God's doing in your life and you sit around the table and say, man, let me talk to you about the faithfulness of God, you're speaking life. Do you see the difference? Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue and those that eat it, excuse me, those who love it will eat its fruit. All right, could I get my ushers to come and get the cards? If you've got a pen or a pencil, pull it out. If you don't, I think we have some pencils we can give out. We want everybody to get a card. If you'd like to get an extra one for somebody that's not here, you're free to do that also. But everybody gets you a card, and we're going to take a few minutes before I let you go, and we're going to write down what we're thankful for and what we'd like to see God do in our life in 2018.